0: And this morning, we talk about the power of the Word. Is there power in the Word of God? Absolutely. It is the one thing that will never change. It stays strong. And this is where we want to go. I want you to open up in your Bibles in 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to look from verse 22. Actually, I'm going to start reading. I'll read the first verse out of my Bible because uh, I didn't put it on the board. 1 Peter... Chapter One, Amen. Have you learned a lot out of the Book of Peter as we gone through it? Amen. The Word of God always needs to build our faith. Amen. So, one Peter chapter one verse twenty-two. That's where we uh, ended last time. We say, since you have been purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. And then Peter writes down, he says, Having been born again, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word. He uses the word, the Greek word there, logos, which is the written word. He says, through the word, we have been saved. And then he goes on to say, Through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away. He compares the word of God to man. To how quickly man withers away. Who knows that? Quickly. If you look back upon your life, if you turn to your 40s you start realizing it isn't it in your 30s you're still okay you think you're going to live forever but once you hit your 40s you start thinking and once you hit your 50s and your 60s and your 70s then you realize how quickly how quickly your life has withered away I mean I'm only in my 50s now but you know we can ask people around us in their 60s and 70s and it feels like yesterday yesterday when you had your first child isn't it i look at richard and Veda and, and the baby and gavin and alex is expecting any moment i'm looking at that and i look at that family and i think it feels like me just yesterday when i had gavin and richard and vader in your arms and now it feels as if life is withered away but the word of god is the one which lasts forever he says there all is as grass and the glory of man as of the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls away. But there's that theological word of us. But a strong word, sharp contrast. The word of the Lord endures forever. And somebody shout hallelujah. I am so glad we've got something that endures forever. He uses a different word there. The word there, there's two words in Greek for word. The one there is logos, written word. And here he says, but the word, the rima, which means the spoken word of the Lord, endures forever. Lasting forever. We're living in a world where the law of enthoprithy means that everything is slowing down. Everything is breaking apart. It takes energy to keep things what they are. But the word of God, the energy comes from God Himself. And then He finishes up in that chapter, where He says, Now this is the word, which by the gospel was preached to you. This, the Rima word, the spoken word. You see, He takes the written word, and once you speak the word, you turn it into Rima. Into the Rima, the spoken word, which by which the gospel was preached to you now let's thank the lord for his word father i thank you for the word the spoken word the written word and this morning father i thank you that we have the opportunity to talk about your word and that we can preach father i pray that you help me through your holy spirit and let this be anointed by you in jesus name now let me ask you whose word will last forever my word his word not your best pastor's word not your husband's word not your wife's word not your children's word his word will last forever and i think if if there's a word that lasts forever i think it's worth listening to that word isn't it taking note of that word and we want to do that this morning you see what peter is telling us in this little passage here he says we are born again through the word of god God saved us on the cross, but the Word is planted inside of us. This is what He says. It's the Word that empowered that. This Word of God lives forever. That's what He's saying. Not the Word of man, but the Word of God lives forever. The Word of man changes day by day. You just look at the politicians. They stand up today and they say, This is A. Tomorrow they say, No, no, it wasn't A, but it's now B. It changes all the time. And man breaks his promises, but God never breaks his promises. So the word of God stands forever. Man's word will not stand forever. Now, he compares the word of God to the flesh of man. And he says, we are like grass. And have you seen sometimes, if you don't mow your lawn, there's some that comes out of a little flower, a yellow flower. I, I sometimes wait until the flower comes out and then it hurries me up. He goes, you know, it's been a while now that you haven't cut me. Come on, cut it, cut it. But the grass withers and the flower falls to the ground. This word came to us via the gospel which he preached to us. That is what he says in, in general when he spoke about these two or three verses. Now, I just want to touch on this, and I'm not going to go too deep into this. But there's a lot of people who talk about the two kinds of words, the logos and the rima. And I just kindly want to warn you. The Rema is not revelational knowledge. It's not knowledge outside of the Word of God. It's not I'm standing here and all of a sudden, oh, is that what you're saying, Lord? And that's a revelation and now I'm giving it to you. The Rema, the spoken word, will always lead you to the Logos. The Rema will always lead you to the Logos. You find John the Baptist when he was in the wilderness the last word that was spoken to the nation of israel was in malachi the last book of the old testament then you find 400 years which they call the silent years where there's no written uh, revelation from god no spoken revelation of god the silent years and then it says there in your bible in the book of luke he says the word of the lord came to john the Rima of God came to John. He spoke to him. Whether it's audible, whether it's not audible, we're not there, but he writes it down. But what did he do? He then turns around when he saw Jesus Christ and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. The Rema always points us to the Logos. If you remember that, you cannot be deceived. Charismania in the world today puts a lot of emphasis around the word rima they will say forget the bible because it's dusty its pages are molded it's the old way we've got a new way whenever people say to me there's a new way i in in the word of god when it comes to church whenever somebody says it's a new wind it's a new wine it's a new way i'm very careful i'm very careful because i know this that the Rima, the Spirit of God, always leads and points to the Logos. It's written in, and it's not the sermon today, but I can touch on that. It, it shows it in the book of John, chapter 14 to 16. It says the work of the Holy Spirit is to do what? To testify about Jesus Christ. It leads to the Logos. And here we find an interplay between the two words which points towards Christ. Now look look at Jesus, just what I'm saying. He uses the words like the apostles use it as well. In the high priestly prayer, which in John chapter 17, and I highly recommend you read John chapter 17, it's a beautiful prayer because Jesus prays for himself, he prays for his disciples of the day, and he prays for us but he uses this word look at john 17 verse 8 this is jesus his own words when he prays to the father he says for i've given to them the words and he uses the word "rema." i've given them the rema, the words that is the words that jesus spoke himself you find it in your bible some bibles put it in a red color that is the words of jesus It is the words inspired by God. He said it himself. He said, I did nothing, nothing that the Father did not show me. So the Father showed Jesus. The Father gave Jesus the message and he gave it to the people. And this is where he says, I've given them the words, the rima, which you have given me. And they have, what did they do with the words? Received them. Everybody say received. What does it mean when you receive something? You get it. You take it. You take hold of it. If I come out and I give you a $5 note, if I give it to you, yeah, (laughs) I thought you would have jumped for $10. (laughs) But if I give you some money and I hold it out to you, it is not yours until you receive it, until you take it. I've come across people where you give them money and say, no, I don't want it, I don't want it. And what do you do? You throw it down on the table, and you walk away, and they walk away. What happens to the money? It just lies there. It's the minute they walk over and they take the money they've received it. This is a critical point to remember this morning as we continue. He says, Father, I've given them the words that you've given me, and they have received them. The biggest problem in the church today is they do not receive the word of God anymore. That's where the problem lies. And I've known surely that I came forth from you and they have believed that you sent me. So you receive the word and you believe in the word. Can you see the two coming together? You receive the word and you believe in the word. In John 17 verse 4, he continues. He says, I've given them your word. Now look at this now. He uses the word there, the Greek word logos. It is the written word. He says, I've given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just I am not of the world. Is that true today? Does the world love Christians? No way. Well, I should use a different word than Christian because there's a lot of people who proclaim to be Christians who are not Christian. But he says it here that his disciples were not received by the world. And then in John 17:17 17, 17, he says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word, your logos, your written word is true. Now what does the word sanctify mean? It means to set apart. You and I are set apart by what is written in this book, in the word of God how are we set apart is it just because i take the bible and i walk around with him and when people see me walk around with the bible and they say oh no he is set apart is that what it is no it is when we start reading the bible and the bible is starting to change us starting to change us from the inside out A, a man a king by the name of david he said one day he said lord i want to put this word in my heart so that it guards me against sin you see the world wants you to do sin and you did do that sin but then you start reading in here that what you're doing there is wrong and now what happens the word changes you and it sets you apart if you stand on the word if you go out to people today and you say i'm not just a christian but i'm a bible believing christian oh dear that causes problem for you i'm a blood-washed child of god who believes in the word of god if you look at our banners outside, that's what we say. We say on the banners, we preach through the Bible line by line, verse by verse. Oh, there's many other people in our churches who will drive past and they will read the banners and they'll go, oh, it's one of those churches. And you know what? That's okay. I'm fine with that. Because what happens? The Word of God sets us apart. He says it right there. He says, sanctify them, set them apart by your truth the absolute truth in this world lies in the word of god because the whole volume of truth is jesus christ the whole volume of truth is the holy spirit and the holy spirit points you towards the word how wonderful is it to serve a living god and this is what he says here peter now look at this now he says we have been born again not of this is critical now of what of corruptible uh, seed but incorruptible seed and then he says through the word of god i want to give you a practical application this morning of that practical application jesus christ walked one day and uh, there's masses of people that followed him in matthew chapter 13 we come to a passage where he talks in parables to them what is a parable a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning Or a message. So he speaks to them about something which they will understand. But there was another meaning inside of that story. And he starts talking to them in Matthew 13.3. He says, then he spoke many things to them in parables. And he starts with this parable of the sower. He said, behold, the sower went out and he sowed. And as he sowed, some of the seed fell by the wayside... And the birds came and they devoured them. You see, previously he said it here. Peter, he says, we've been born again. Not of corruptible seed, but the incorruptible. And that's through the word of God. And he says, now this is the word by which the gospel has been preached to you. So I give to you this morning that here in the parable, there is a man who's preaching the gospel like I'm preaching every Sunday year. But you see he's speaking to the crowds it's not all christians but they were drawn to him to listen and in the crowd there's this group of people i call them the waysiders the waysiders now let me also say in the church today there is wayside people it might be shocking Maybe in this church, maybe not. Because I can't tell you. I have not got God's supervision eyes to see what is inside of man. Only God can do that. Let no man come and tell you that he can see what's inside of you. We can see the fruit of people. But even that can be deceiving. So now he comes and he says, Here is this man. He went and he had seed in his hands. And I've done it before in my life as well. And he sows it. What happens? What happens? Before he sows the seed, he prepares the ground, isn't it? Now in this particular case, you are the soil. As I'm sowing this morning, the word of God, which is the seed. This is the seed, the gospel. And you, brother and sister, needs to prepare that ground. You either come in here this morning and you prepare for the word of God, or you are not. And this is going to show out evidently today. There's no place to hide from the word of God. How did you come to church this morning? What attitude did you come to church this morning with? The Bible says that we come to church to serve one another. Did you come here to serve? How do we serve one another? You put others' interests before your own interests. Isn't that what Jesus Christ did? The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that he came and he took on the form of a what? Of a king? Did he walk around in the earth with a rope and he says, kiss the ring, touch the feet? Did he do that? Did he walk around as a lord and a master? No, no, you tell me, how did he come? As a, a bond servant. And what is a servant doing? He serves. Yes, that's what a servant do. And brother and sister, if we want to come into the image of Christ, if we want to change daily, when you come to church, you need to come as a bond servant. I come here every Sunday and I want to serve you with the Word of God. Not only that, because He imparted love inside of me. I need to be able to give you love. Love is to satisfy others at the expense of self. And here is the sower now. He takes this valuable seed which He's paid a price for. Listen, the gospel has been paid a price for. We were standing at the table this morning. He died so that you may live. He died so that the world may be saved. This seed is not just a cheap seed. It's not something you buy from Bunnings. No, He's got this valuable seed which is thrown out daily. It's thrown out on Sundays. It's thrown out during the week. And you know what? The sower comes and He sows it. And all he is he's wanting is for the soil to be prepared to receive the seed. So I repeat myself, who's the soil? Yes. But then you, he talks about these wayside people. In Matthew 13 verse 19, Jesus explains that. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, when they hear the word and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and he snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives the seed by the wayside. In the church there will be wayside people. There will be wayside people. You see, Satan attacks the ignorant first. Let me just say something. Here is the ignorant or the one who does not understand. It's not because the Bible is difficult to understand. It says more, it does not take it in. It's easy to play with words sometimes and say, hey preacher, just, you know, the Bible is so difficult. I tried, man. I gave it my best shot. Well, don't give it your best shot. Die in yourself and let it grow in you. It does not mean, you know, it's written in King James. Who's who's reading the King James Bible? It's difficult to read, isn't it? I had some people over the years come to me and say, no, I can't read the King James Version. I said, well, there's a new King James Version. But even that's too tough for them. Because they do not have the desire to take the Word of God in. That is where the problem lies here. They've become so hard. I've done it myself. You know, back in South Africa, I made a nice place there and you prepare the soil and you sow. And the places that's not prepared is harder than the places that you've prepared. And where you sow it in the places that's prepared, it goes deeper in. And you know what? You've got to keep the birds away because the birds see on the heart where the seed lies on top of the ground and they come and they swoop and they peep. That's what Jesus says these people are in church but they never really hear the word of God with understanding they never take the time they never go on their knees and pray and say God open up my heart to this that's the prayer you need to pray the reason why the word can't go in is because you are too hard it's like granite it can't get in you know what? He's not going to come with a swivel and, and hit it. No, no. You need to come to him and cry it and say, Lord, make me soft. You know, humility is a good thing for the Word of God. But some people are so tough. It's always for somebody else and not for them. These are the people, and they're sitting in churches. You see, when it falls on, on the good soil, it's soft, it goes in. But here there's no chance. Look at this. There's no chance for it to go in. And, and it says here, who is, the, who is the one who will come down in the explanation? He says, and then the wicked one comes. Who's the wicked one? Satan. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, he gives us a description of these wayside people in the church. Classic description. He says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing what do we learn now about wayside people they are perishing they are perishing because there's nothing they cannot they cannot hold on to the everlasting word of god we just heard it when peter said that peter said what will last forever the word of god who is the word of god it's jesus himself who will last forever He's yesterday, today, and forever the same. And here he says that those, those who are the wayside people is so hard, they are perishing. In verse 4 he says, whose minds, listen to this now, the gods of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. I pray for the wayside people. And you know what my prayer is? Listen to me. This might shock you. Break them, Lord. Break them. Now you and I have started, you know, if you come to a paddock and there's a piece of ground and you want to put a garden in there and the the soil is so hard, what do you do with the shovel? You break it. You first break the soil up. You say, but that's a harsh prayer to pray for people. Let me tell you why it's not a harsh prayer. Because if that soil is not broken, my dear friends, the light of the gospel of the glory of God will not go in. Sometimes people need to be broken before they come to Him. This is why I say, don't wait until He breaks you. Come now while the time is ready. Come because of His goodness. This is what is important. So who's the attacker here? He says the wicked one, it is Satan. There is three things that will attack a child of God and you'll see that playing out today. Can you see now where we started in the book of Peter? That the gospel, the word came to us and through the word came what? The gospel. To do what? To born us again. But then he goes on and he says there's a second group of people here. He says in verse 15, 13, 5, he says... Some fell on stony places, stony places, where they did not here have much earth, and they immediately sprung up because they had no depth of the earth, but there's that big theological word again. Man, you need to go and study that word. It only means a sharp contrast. He says they sprung up. Immediately they sprung up, but the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. So there's wayside people in the world, in the crowd, in the church, and there's also stony people. Stony people in the church, in the world. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 20, Jesus gives this example or explanation. He says, But ye who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Oh, it's so great. My heart is on fire. Whew. Yet, he has no root in himself. You see that? He has no root in himself. It is interesting when I studied this over and over again and I came, one would have thought he would say, yet he has no root in Jesus. Wouldn't you say? So one would think, wait a minute, the Bible has made a mistake here. He had no root in himself. You shouldn't have root in yourself, should you? But anyway, let's continue. He says, but endures only for a while, for when tribulation and persecution arises, because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So this falls on stony grounds. Stony grounds. It comes up and you are quickly excited about it. Now let me say to you that this problem here is the problem with the flesh. Because he uses the word himself there. It goes about the flesh. There's two things about you now. Satan attacks the wayside and he takes the seed away because it can't go in. But this here now has got stones in the ground. And I've also done this. I've planted some grass once. And I didn't dig out and take all of these. There were small little stones in the ground. I didn't take it out and you know it grows really nice you water it but once the sun uh, sun shines really hard what happens it kills the grass i've seen it and he says this is the same that happens the flesh will be persecuted and he talks about persecution here you see that he says for when tribulation and persecution arise because of the word He immediately stumbles. The stony people will stumble once persecution comes because they are not rooted. They will burn. A lot of people in the church who use Christian words, isn't it? They use all of the Christian words. There's people in the church who sing the songs. It is so good. They sing the songs and it's all great. They even read their Bibles. And man, they can even come to you with tears in their eyes and give you some scripture verses. And tears runs down their eyes. And they look so joyful sometimes when they read to you. They even study their Bibles and read them. Sing the songs. They quote these scripture verses. Yet, this verse says that there is no root. There is no relationship. That is what it is. There is no relationship. And when the first trouble of, of, uh, first signs of trouble comes in their lives, what happens? Then it is, oh, when their faith is tested, then they run. And then you don't see them anymore. Isn't it true? You don't see them anymore. This is stony ground. And this year, my friends, is important to understand. In Matthew 7:21, let's read this, uh, where Jesus said the same thing. He says, there's stony people in the church. He says, not everyone who say to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I've never knew you depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Wayside people, stony people. This exists. You get people sometimes say, so on fire, I can testify to you today. I've been preaching this word now for over 20, what, 25 years. I've seen so many people come through these doors. I've seen so many people react to the word of God. But it is just on the surface. It just goes one millimeter down into the ground. And then it hits a a stone. It hits selfishness. This is all about self here. The flesh. You say, how can I tie this to flesh? Persecution comes to you in the flesh. And once persecution comes, you go, oh, no, no, I'm not one of those. Oh, you know, worshiping God is hard. It's tough. It is really tough to be a Christian, and I agree it is tough. But that is when you need to sit down and you need to go through with it, not just run away. Persecution will come from your family persecution will come from your workplace persecution will come from the world but if you did not have root in him if you did not have root in yourself to understand that look this is a life-changing thing what will happen the sun will come and you will burn and i've seen so many people look if i look behind i can see so many burned out wrecks along the way and i'm not judging i'm not judging people i feel you know what is the saddest thing about this the sower sows the seed and the seed falls on all those grounds and it depends on what soil is prepared for that let's continue on to the last one as this is the flesh he says in matthew 13 verse 7 second last one he says and some fell amongst the thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them the thorn so you get wayside people in the church you get stony people in it stony people aren't aren't those who are stoned and they just stare in front of you I think you understand now stony people and now you find the thorny people in the church who would have thought that thorny people he says in matthew 13 now he who has received the seed amongst the thorn is he who hears the word and listen to this now what the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and becomes unfruitful and this is also happening it's happening we're living in a tough world aren't we you see there's three things against the child of god satan He's by the wayside people, then it's the flesh, those with the stony people, and now with this one here, it's the world. He talks about the cares of the world. So it happens today, I might preach to you, but already you are sitting there and thinking about the world all of your cares and your troubles and everything that's going to happen. And you know what I've got? I'm sowing the seed and it falls inside of you with all of these things that's mulling around in your head. Oh, what's going to happen to this? What's going to happen to that? I've got to pay this bill. I've got to pay that bill. And just last week at work, they talk about this or this thing is going to change or that thing is going to change. And you know what happens? Before you know it, by Wednesday, you don't even remember the message that was preached on Sunday. Is it true or not? Well come by Friday, you can't even remember a scripture verse anymore. It's all gone. Because the cares of the world. He mentioned two things there. One is the cares of the world, isn't it? And we're living in this world, and it touches our bodies. And we talk more about politics than God, and we talk more about sport than God. And we talk more about the thing that we're into than God. Because it just occupies our brains. It's the cares of the world. It causes anxiety. It causes worries. It keeps the doctors healthy and wealthy and everything you want. It makes us sick and makes them good. But they've also got cares and wares in the world. I mean, you might as well just throw it in and and just sit under the, the tree of cares, can't you? But you're sitting in the house of God and you're a thorny person. But he mentions the second thing there. What does he mention? The second thing is the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. Let me say to you something today. It is hard and it's a miracle to reach the higher echelon of, of money earners in this world with the gospel. Oh, we don't need that. We're self-sufficient. We can look after ourselves. But they are so baked so hard with their own money. And you know what the problem is? It is where we're going to get our money and how we're going to spend our money. Thorny people in the world, but also in the church. But not only that, not only that, it is the really poor people in the world become so hardened in their hearts as well. It's so hardened. Why? They look at the top side and they go, why are they so healthy? And they cry out to God if they do and say, Why them and not us? That becomes selfishness, isn't it? He says these things are wiping out the word in people's lives and they become unfruitful. Unfruitful. Three kinds of people. Oh, but there's a good side. There's a good side. Matthew 13, verse 8, he says, But there's that theological word again. He says, Others fell on good ground. Everybody say good ground. What is a good ground? This is somebody who comes in and say, Lord, Lord, I am the clay and you are the Potter. Is somebody who comes in and say, Lord, I can't wait so that you can change inside of me from the inside out with your word it's somebody who says lord you just tell me where to go and i'll go it's somebody who says lord i want to i want you to change me so that i can serve others this is good soil it's a humble person it's somebody who falls on his knees and poured his heart out before god because his friend is lost for eternity it is somebody who looks at his family and not gossip about them but come to god and cry his heart out before god it's somebody who walks into a church and he loves everybody in the church to serve them it is somebody who goes out and say Lord there's a world that is going astray and Lord use me as a servant to reach this world Lord I want you as this good soil to grow in me fruit so that I can give your fruit to the world this is good ground this is somebody who's operating in love, and he says and it fell on good ground and it yielded a crop some hundredfold sixtyfold and thirtyfold and jesus said in verse 23 he says but he who receives the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understand it and again i refer back to the very first one the wayside people you remember, it said, it's they who do not understand it. They didn't take it in. Now Jesus says, these people are the ones who take the word in. They take the word in. When I preach the word, and, and, and when anybody preaches the word, or when you read the word of God and the seed falls, you take it in. And what do you do with that word? The word inside of you is changing you. That's what happens. That is the fruit who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold and some sixty and some thirtyfold. Now let me just ask the question here. When he talks about the fruit there, whose fruit is he talking about? Whose fruit is that? It's, the fruit of, it's, it's God's fruit through you. It's God's fruit through you. You remember the vine... We are, we are in the vine. He is, he is the, uh, the, the, the why we, we are, the, and the fruit comes from Him. I'm not going to try then and say, "Oh, I want to be an apple. I want to be an apple. Please be an apple. I want to be an apple. I want to just want to show a fruit of apple, apple, apple. No, no apple. That's not how it's happening." And I've seen so many times people who try to be good. What happens when you try to be good? You fail. You fail, and what happens when you fail? You are disappointed. And it's not nice to be disappointed, is it? Is there anybody who can jump up here and say, man, I can't wait for the next time I'm going to be disappointed? It's not a good feeling, is it? And because it's not a good feeling, and I've tried to be good, some people just say, I'm not going to be try to be good anymore. And you know what, in many cases, that's a good place to be in. Listen to me, in many cases, not all. Why? Because then you can become humble and ask God and say, Lord, let your fruit come through me. Then it becomes natural, natural. I told this story once and I'm going to say it again. I love grapes. I love uh, grapes and, you know, when it's in season and it's really full in the body and I, man, I just love, I can have a bunch of grapes right now. And that's how I'm just thinking of it. And my auntie one time had grapes on a table. And we visited my auntie, and we went around, and I saw these grapes on the table, and I go, oh, man. But she was also a stingy auntie, and I knew I wasn't going to get one, if, even if I ask. It's only there. And I looked at the grapes on the table, and I go, oh, man, I need to have one of those. I could feel the taste in my mouth, even now. Mm. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> and, and Philip, you know, I walked up when all the parents were sitting and they're talking, and I ran up to the grapes, and I, and I grabbed some of those grapes, and I pulled it over into my mouth. But it didn't come off. And once I put it in my mouth, I bit on it and I go, ah, it's plastic. (laughs) You see, so, so, and and I got a hiding as well. I just want to throw that in there as well. So that was a bad experience. So, but that's the thing sometimes, brothers and sisters, you know. People come and they try to be something they're not. And you know what it is? It is only plastic and it will no no let's not try to do this let's not try to be the good people but let's come to god and say lord please please help me that when your word comes i want to receive your word i want to take your word in and i want to understand it help me to understand your word go and read psalm 119 this afternoon it's the longest psalm in the bible go and read it it talks about the word of god the word of god now Now, how do we come? How do we come into a position that we can be this good ground? Let me show you. There's a scripture verse in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1. He says, Now let me sing to my well beloved a song of my well beloved regarding his vineyard. My well beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up. (laughs) He cleared it out, its stones, and he planted it with the choicest of wine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring good grapes, but it brought wild grapes. Now I understand, and to put it in context, he was talking about the nation of Israel. I understand that. But the application this morning, my brother and sister, is to you and me as well. Because you say to me this morning, Preacher, it's all good and well. You tell me that there's wayside people, there's stony and there's thorny people. But how can those three groups of people come to the point to have a soil good enough for the Word to go in, to germinate, to grow, and to give much fruit? That's the way. You see, what I read here, he's got a fruitful heel. When God looks at you when you were born, brother and sister, you know what, he made us into the image and the likeness of he himself. There is, within you, there is the capacity, the capacity to carry the word of God and be fruitful. And then, he says he dug it up. What did he do when he dug it up? When I said to you earlier, it is so hard, and what did he do? He takes the spate and he breaks it up. Brother and sister, listen to me. John, John uh, who, who wrote the Gospels of John, he says, I must decrease and he must increase. How do you decrease? When you become humble. When you become humble. Let the word of God humble you. Let the Spirit of God humble you. Let him dig you up or dug you up, like he says it there. And then what happens then? He cleared out what? stones doesn't he oh man if you look at this man today in my life there's been a lot of stones that's been removed out of me a lot of stones a stone of selfishness a stone of unforgiveness a stone of of uh, short fuse a stone of swearing a stone of absent, uh, substance abuse each one of us, you know, what he needs to do. He looks into our lives and he takes his, his spade and he puts it in there. And there's something you hold on to that makes you so hard that he takes it out. We need to be clear of the stones. You see what he do? He prepares the soil and the ground and to make it so that it can be good ground. And then what he do? He builds a tower in its midst. What does that represent? The protection. He protects and then he makes a wine press in it. Why is the wine press there? Because that is the fruitfulness of it. If you plant a vineyard, you want to have a wine press. Why? Because you want to push the sap out of these grapes. You want to get the fruit. And this is what we are, brother and sister. If you want to come to a point to have good soil, you need to pray to the Lord and say, Lord, dig me up, Lord. Break the skin, Lord. Father, take out the stones of habits in my life. That he's keeping the word away that I can't take it in. And then in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 24, look at this. He says, For I will take from you among the nations, gather you out of the countries, and bring you into your own land. That's a prophecy for Israel. I get that. But again, it's application to us. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. Listen. And you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols you see that this filthiness is a stone idols is stones he needs to clear these things and you know what he's doing he says i will sprinkle clean water on you oh man i can preach another sermon right now let's do a session second session today because what is he talking about water is a sign of cleanse clean, cleaningness and it, you know it comes from me he says on in john chapter 6 he says uh, that gushes of clean water will come from the inside out Filthiness and idols verse 26 he says <coughs> i will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you have we got that that's what happens when you are born again a new heart and a new spirit and I will take the heart of stone. You see, there's the heart of stone. Out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues. And you will keep my judgments and do them. Do them. How did we get to this? Remember when Peter said, The word of God will never what cease. It, it it exists forever it's enduring forever we are saved through the word came the gospel that made us born again now i want to leave you with this verse isaiah chapter 1 verse 8 i love it he says come now let us reason together says the lord as He's been reasoning with you this morning. If you're a wayside person, the, the Spirit of God is reasoning with you. If you're a stony person, He's reasoning with you. If you're a thorny person, He's reasoning with you this morning. His Spirit is working with you. He's calling you. You know what He wants to do? He's standing maybe ready with the spade to break it up and take stones out. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be wool. Now I love this verse. He says here in verse 19, If you are willing and obedient. You see that? You see that? That refers back to the wayside people who said, I don't understand. Remember that represents somebody who don't want to take it in. So they are not willing to take the word in. They sit in church, but they're not willing. Some people just come because my husband said so, my wife said so. You know what was going to happen? The word every Sunday is going to fall on the wayside, and Satan will come and pick it up, and it will never go in. Same will happen with the Stony. You will get excited. So one Sunday, one Sunday you'll hear something, you'll go, Wow, that really hit me. Hey, preacher, you preach a very really good sermon today, man. That really cut me, but it goes nowhere. Or somebody's walking out with the world on their shoulders. Look, I've got freedom for you, its name is Christ. He says, if you are willing and obedient, what does obedience mean? If the word says, do it, you do it. What will happen to that person? You shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and you rebel, if you refuse is against willingness and rebel is against being obedient, you shall be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Four kinds of people. See, how do we get there? I thought we were going to talk about the power of the Word. I just gave you the power of the Word this morning. Because the Word in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, He's living, He's powerful, and it's sharper than a two edged sword which cuts between bone and marrow, spirit and soul. And it is the discerner of the heart this is why he says now this is the word i've sown it this morning again this is the word my friend by which the gospel was preached to you the only question i have now is what kind of soil are you what kind of soil are you this morning only you and god will know and those people who will hear the sermon over the net and wherever it goes Do you want to carry the fruit of God and become a servant in His house? What a pleasure to be a servant in God's house. You know, if I look back upon my old life, which I had, and I look now, yes, it's been difficult sometimes. Yes, I've cried a lot of tears. But you know what, brother and sister, I'd much rather much rather, be good ground and let some fruit go and bless others. You want to be a blessing for others? Become good soil. And let the word of God go in and understand it, which means I'm taking it in, in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Can somebody just call my wife there for for the music? Heavenly Father.